Our gospel reading is Luke 13, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The word of the Lord. There is nothing more beautiful to a mother's eyes than the simple gifts given her by her children. A drawing, a bowl made from Play-Doh, a dandelion carefully picked and placed in her hand. One year my children put their allowances together and gave me a little pine tree for my birthday. It had lots of shiny green needles and it smelled wonderful. I placed it in a sunny corner of the dining room and paid careful attention to the care instructions that came with it. However, I do not have a green thumb. By the time Christmas and New Year's were over, the tree was a sickly yellow with most of its needles falling off and all over the dining room floor. I tried everything I could think of to bring it back to health, but it grew weaker by the day. Finally, feeling very sad, I carried it out to the backyard and tucked it away in a corner by the shed. Six months later, in June, I finally made it to the shed again and was astounded to see a bright green tree a few inches taller than it was before. God's providential care, snow, sunshine, air, and rain had brought to life what I could not. Rejoicing, I shared the good news with my children and all was well. On my next birthday, 
my children gave me a cactus. I was touched by their continued trust and hope in my plant-carrying abilities. And again, I did my best to care for the plant with its sharp needles and bright red, bright red flower on top. Not much was required other than placing it in full sun. Still, several months after I received this gift, the cactus was not doing well. The flower had shriveled up and the green stem was turning brown. I placed this one, too, in my backyard, but it continued its decline and by summertime it was completely dead. Again, I felt regret and sadness that I had not been able to care for this beautiful gift entrusted to me by my children. I wonder why one plant recovered and the other did not, since they both received the same attention from me and from nature. People can be the same way, I think. Have you ever noticed how two people both receiving the same grace and love of God can respond so differently? One person responds with gratitude and growth and wholeness and holiness. Another does not, but takes a different path, a darker and deathly way. Churches and even nations can do the same. And if a person can feel sadness and regret over the loss of a plant given to her by her children, I wonder how God feels when a beloved child turns away from the delight and love that God wants to shower upon that person. When that person turns his or her back away from life, love, joy, and wholeness, or when a person or a group of people turns to the dark side and mistreats others. When I first listened to this text from the Gospel of Luke last week, I was troubled by the image of God I found there. The landowner, God the Creator, seemed so cold and unloving, even in the giving of second chances. Jesus, the gardener, mediates for the fruitless tree and commits to doing his best to nurture and tend the plant to bring it to fruitfulness. But the patience of God, the landowner, is limited. Cut it down, he says of the barren tree, for it is wasting the soil. And after one year of tending, if the tree does not bear fruit, God will give the same answer to the gardener. You can cut it down. But the God I know is loving and full of grace. God's mercy is never ending. One of my favorite images of God is that of a mother hen. Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. In Marjorie Thompson's book, Soul Feast, which we're using for our Lenten study on Thursday mornings here at Richmond Hill, 
she poses the question, has it ever occurred to us that God is starved for our companionship? Is our God blinded by grief, calling out through the ache of our hunger, calling us to come home and be nourished with real life once again? In my denomination, we often use a litany on Good Friday known as the Solemn Reproaches of the Cross. In it, you can hear the voice of God calling out to the people in anguish. O oh, my people, O oh, my church, what have I done to you, or in what have I offended you? Answer me. I led you forth from the land of Egypt and delivered you by the waters of baptism, but you have prepared a cross for your Savior. What more could I have done for you that I have not done? I planted you, my chosen and fairest vineyard. I made you the branches of my vine, but when I was thirsty, you gave me vinegar to drink and pierced with a spear the side of your Savior and you have prepared a cross for your Savior. My peace I gave, which the world cannot give, and washed your feet as a sign of my love, but you draw the sword to strike in my name and seek high places in my kingdom. I offered you my body and blood, but you scatter and deny and abandon me, and you have prepared a cross for my Savior. I grafted you into the tree of my chosen Israel, and you turned on them with persecution and mass murder. I made you joint heirs with them of my covenants, but you made them scapegoats for your own guilt, and you have prepared a cross for your Savior. I came to you as the least of your brothers and sisters. I was hungry, and you gave me no food, I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And you have prepared a cross for your Savior. I sent the spirit of truth to guide you, and you close your hearts to the counselor. I pray that all may be one in the Creator and me, but you continue to quarrel and divide. I call you to go and bring forth fruit, but you cast lots for my clothing, and you have prepared a cross for your Savior. No, I cannot buy the image of God as an uncaring landowner, ready to remove an unfruitful tree and plant something else that will produce and bring him a profit. God the Creator is crying out in pain of abandonment, praying that we all will turn and be healed. When God is ready to cut down the unfruitful tree, it will be with great sorrow like someone making a decision to remove a loved one from life support. After trying everything to save the beloved's life, when that one is essentially dead, it is kinder for that person and for all concerned 
to finally let them rest. Our Creator does not want us to be the walking dead, dried up and lifeless. Our Creator wants nothing more than for us, all of us, to be full of life, glowing, green, and vibrant. But make no mistake about it, in this text there is a great warning. Yes, God loves us. God is willing to tend, nurture, and grow us into that life. But we do not have the luxury of unlimited time to repent. We do not have an unlimited number of chances to turn ourselves over to the loving care of the master gardener to have our roots rearranged, our branches pruned, our bodies, minds, hearts, and spirits nourished and aerated by the Holy Spirit to be restored to health as individuals, as a people of God, or as a nation. For God loves us, but God loves others as well. Those who are weak, powerless, and abused by those who are strong, powerful, and abusive. Jesus proclaims, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the oppressed. The brokenhearted will be healed, captives will be liberated, those who mourn will be comforted and be glad. Heavy hearts will become joyful, and those who turn to God will become trees of righteousness, springing up to provide shade for the nations. The church season of Lent is a time for self-examination and repentance, and Jesus is calling us to do just that before it's too late. God is calling us as persons to repent, to examine our hearts, and to recognize our self-centeredness, our pride and hidden resentments, the busyness that keeps us spiritually blind and self-reliant rather than God-reliant. God is calling us as a church to repent, to repent for the ways we, as a church, have twisted the gospel into bad news, not good news, twisted it to justify persecution of the Jewish people, the cruel enslavement of black people, intolerance and hatred toward those of other religions and those who belong to the LGBTQ community, committing blasphemy by invoking the name of Jesus Christ for these actions. God is calling us as a nation to repent, to repent of our greed and the wealth that was built on the backs of the enslaved, our inhospitality to those who arrive here from other lands seeking safety, freedom, and a chance to build a good life for themselves and their families, our blindness to the injustice that is well entrenched in our institutional systems and needs to be weeded out with a trowel, our basic lack of civility and compassion for those with whom we disagree, 
I could go on and on with this list, <laughs> but I don't want you to think that it's hopeless because it's not. God has provided a way, and that is to turn and place ourselves under the care of the master gardener. For there is a garden full of seedlings and new growth where Christ the gardener awaits, ready to dig around our roots and pile on the nourishment that will bring us back to full and abundant life. This tending is necessary, but I warn you, it can be uncomfortable. This past weekend at Richmond Hill, Initiatives of Change, also known as Hope in the Cities, held its third community trust-building fellowship retreat for 2019. Community trust-building fellowship is a group of people selected for their diversity. These people meet together once a month from January through May to have their roots rearranged and manure piled on. <laughs> Members of this fellowship apply, pay for, and freely submit to this process in order to invite change in themselves and in their abilities to build trust across racial, racial divides. Most discover over the course of their journey that change and growth can be uncomfortable. The process of digging around the well-entrenched roots of long-standing wounds, attitudes, and ways of seeing, when rearranged and exposed to light and air, can be unpleasant and even painful. The image of a root canal comes to mind. <laughs> sitting for a lengthy time in the manure pile of a centuries-long history of racism is smelly and dirty work, but it is necessary. The hope is that these leaders, tended and trained, will become equipped to do some gardening themselves, bringing social and spiritual health to others. This is just an example of what it means to put ourselves under the care of the Holy Gardener, who longs for us to return to the life for which we were created. Listen to Loretta Ross, a woman of deep prayer, describe her experience of daily prayer, what she had heard in response to the question she puts before Jesus every morning. What do you want me to tell the people? For many years, the response she received was, tell the people that I love them. Then one day, the reply came, tell the people that I miss them. Yes. We are like the prodigal son of Jesus' parable, children, far from home. We are like fig trees needing the care of a gardener in order to flourish and bear the fruit that reflects the divine image of God in ourselves. What paths will we take to get home? 
Where will we turn to receive the tending of our roots and the nourishment of our souls that will restore us to our Creator and to life? Please pray with me. May the mercy of God surround us, the love of Christ take root in us, and the Holy Spirit grow in us. We pray in the name of Jesus, the Master Gardener. Amen. Amen.